Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Today at Stem Cells at Lunch we were joined by David Martin, the Vice President of Stentech Architects. David is an architect and he has led the design for many award-winning healthcare research and education projects both in the United Kingdom and the United States. One of his most recent projects was the cancer center at the Guy's Hospital, the same hospital where our research center is based. David's work is always trying to integrate new aspects, and most recently he has started to focus on translational medicine and research facilities to keep up his industry, the architecture industry, uh, to stay up to date with such fields. So without further ado, Hello David, thanks for agreeing to talk with us today for Stem Cells at Lunch Digested. Uh, first I would like to ask you, um, how did you become an architect and what is your driven to, to the job you're doing? Um, well that's an interesting question. I, I started my um, younger life very interested in mathematics and I studied math a little bit but I always had a passion um, for art and architecture and the, the two things sort of integrated into a, a, a aspiration I had to design great buildings. And how did you become interested in sustainability? Um, well I believe that architecture is our most valuable cultural asset. And I think it's true whenever anybody goes on holiday, the first thing you do is you go and look at buildings, you see what it, the, the place is about. And as we enter in a different sort of time now where um, you know, we have significant climatic issues in front of us, um, it, it seemed to become almost an imperative that architects take that on as a primary parameter of how they design buildings so that we have ecologically benign outputs that integrate with, with our cities and in the countryside. And what, what is the, the building that you have designed? What's your favorite so far? <laughs> um, I, guess, uh, I guess my favorite was probably um, one of my more recent ones, which is the Center for Brain Health at the University of British Columbia in Canada. Um, and I mentioned a little bit in my talk, I, that's the first time in a translational medicine and research environment that I've actually been involved in a project where we had such a complex connectivity of people. And so we have clinical researchers, we have academic researchers, um, we have students and PhD um, uh, candidates, we've got a, a, a clinic um, that is treating patients with various forms of dementia, Lou Gehrig's disease and Parkinson's disease, and, and, and uh, an animal unit in the basement. And so we literally have five or six different populations of people all in a, the, the same building. Um, and there's synergy from that kind of collaboration. We know that it's better for the patients um, to feel that they're part of something bigger than themselves, that they feel they're participant in the research. Um, and so it was very gratifying to actually come forward and work with those those doctors and researchers to design that building. And when you were designing that building, where did you look for inspiration? We uh, immediately drew inspiration based on those different groups of people in the building that, uh, you know, the researchers were only going to be successful if they were able to collaborate and get um, input from real patients. And we knew that the patients were going to be helped uh, by knowing what the research was going on. And so we, we thought that connectivity, um, was a, a key sort of uh, aspiration of the building and how it operated. And so we drew inspiration from the idea of a synapse. 
um, and tried to, to ensure, and we mapped out the building so that the frequency uh, and the quality of connections between all of the people in the building was maximized and developed a notion of um, collision spaces. So we literally designed the building to force people to have impromptu discussions. Um, but the inspiration for that came from uh, some analysis we did on synaptic uh, patterns in, in brain activity. And do you follow up your projects in the sense, do you go back and reevaluate if the design that you put forward is actually being, is actually in place? And absolutely. Um, and it, it's absolutely imperative because often the people that we work with and collaborate with that are uh, during the design stages, many of them will not be part of the building. Um, when it's actually occupied. There'll be different people who had no aspect on the design. So it's important for us to see if, if the building actually was robust, the design was uh, adaptable enough for new generations of people to come in and, and still make use of it. Um, and so we usually informally, I usually go around um, every year or so after they open, and then formally after 10 years, we go back and do a post-occupancy review, and it's very, very sort of formulaic, but we ask a lot of questions, interview people, find out um, how, they, how they like the building. And at the end of the day, the most sustainable building is one that is loved by the people who are in the building. And, our, and their creativity can flourish and they can work well and they are, they're happy to be there. And so it's important to make sure that we track that and, and get output from actual real users. And do you find it hard to communicate with scientists? Or do you find it hard to communicate with the builders, actually? Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, I, don't, I find the scientists fascinating because they, they are thinking about different things when we engage with them, and very few of them are actually uh, completely aware of what the, act, the, what the building is gonna look like, what it's gonna feel like spatially, and so I actually take a lot of um, joy out of engaging with the scientists. They're also, they are doing fascinating research because it's really interesting for me to actually have a, a, a much uh, informal discussion with them to talk about what they are uh, doing in their labs and what is driving them in terms of their scientific goals. And so that's um, pretty easy um, and enjoyable. Um, contractors, that you know, that everybody's different depending on, on who they are. Some of the contractors are an absolute pleasure to work with because they're, they're committed to quality and they're committed to uh, making sure that the aspirations are realized, other contracts less so. But, um, you know, they're very uh, focused, obviously, on finishing the project on time, on budget, and those are, you know, those are important issues too. Um, but they're, you know, they're fairly detailed and less aspirational. Um, I know you are involved in the design of the new cancer center here at the Guy's Hospital. Hmm. Can you give us a brief of what it's going to look like? Where did you look for inspiration and what can you expect out of, of a new Well, my, my role, our role, uh, my firm's role was working on the actual clinical design of the building and collaborated with an excellent contractor who led the team. Um, and a, a very, uh, you know, um, uh, how do I say, a, a prolific architect here in, in the UK, Richard Rogers Stirk Harbour and Partners. Um, and, and we really supported their efforts on the exterior of the building. They were responsible for the lead design. Um, our clinical design input was fantastic. It's been extremely patient oriented. Um, we're hoping that it's going to help inspire and motivate the patients in terms of their treatment. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it it turns out it's going to be open at the end of this year. Um, and just for finishing, what do you envisage as the next steps in the nature-inspired architecture? Um, I think that the next steps are going to be a, a probably less uh, revolutionary, more evolutionary. 
And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, I touched on it in the, in the talk. We already know that uh, deriving energy from solar panels is a good idea, but it's grossly inefficient. I think there needs to be a lot more um, development of that industry so that they actually have more impact. And that would be a direct application of observing from nature um, how plants actually sustain themselves from, from sunlight and how that can be applied to a building in a way that's not gratuitous. Because right now, truthfully, the uh, amount of energy we can derive from solar panels is relatively small uh, because the technologies aren't there. So I think as those technologies develop and emerge as stronger contenders, that will get to us. If you have any comments or questions, remember, just reach us using the email stemcellsatlunch at kcl.ac.uk Talk to you next week!